coaching is not about giving advice. It's not about sharing my worldly wisdom. It is about facilitating the counterparts thinking around whatever is going on for them, whatever their need is, whether it's a development need or a challenge that they're facing, an issue to be solved for. So facilitating their thinking to come up with their own solutions. Tony Butler is the Director of Coaching with the Institute of Executive Coaching and Leadership. In this role, she wears several hats, including coach, facilitator, teaching faculty, leader, and colleague. Her work and life experiences have seen her learn the art of leadership through her parents, creating and leading new teams and functions in national and multinational organizations, being a digital nomad before it had a name, live in six countries through eight international relocations, adventuring on a motorcycle from London to Vladivostok, and stay married to her best friend. In today's episode, we unpack all things coaching related. We discuss the benefits of coaching, what it entails, the differences between coaching, mentorship, counseling, how we can find the right coach for ourselves and more. Stay tuned to find out how you can embark on your coaching journey. Hi, this is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. Hello, Tony, and welcome to the Explore This podcast. We're excited to have you darling with us today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun, I hope. Definitely, definitely. So, Tony, I had the benefit of getting to know you through the IECL Organizational Coaching Level 1. And for some of us who don't know, IECL stands for the Institute of Executive Coaching and Leadership. And that's my first time where I got to meet Tony. This is back in January of 2023 because I also completed the level one course that is accredited by the International Coaching Federation. Tony, I had the pleasure and honor of having you as my coach trainer. And it was a wonderful, wonderful three-day experience learning from you with my with my other peer cohort members as well. We all dialed in from different time zones from South Africa, from Germany, from UAE, Malaysia, myself. And personally, it was an incredible and enriching time of learning. And just to let you know, Tony, I also just received notification that I just passed and completed my level one certification. <laughs> wow, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So from a very personal perspective, I truly believe that today's episode, you know, Tony, where you will be speaking to us about the foundations of coaching will be beneficial to our audience and listeners as well who are not familiar with it. A place where I remember once being and they themselves are considering exploring it. I know Janice is one of them as well. And so we thought to ourselves, who else better to invite as a guest on the pod other than yourself? Tony, the Director of Coaching with the Institute of Executive Coaching and Leadership. Thanks again, Sarah Ann. And Janice, I'm keen to have you on one of our programs soon. <laughs> <laughs> little plug in there. All right. So Tony, you know, to kick us off, why don't you share with us a little bit about your background and actually very curious to also hear what inspired you to become a coach because I'm sure it's been a very rewarding journey for you so far. How did you get started in this field? Yeah, it's a great question. I've been coaching now for well over, over 15 years. I first heard about coaching in the early 2000s when I was working in the human resources area in the professional services sector in Hong Kong. I think what most appealed to me about coaching at the time 
there were two factors at play. One, I was working with many leaders in a, in professional services that can be both a high need for collaboration and yet also a high degree of competition. And I felt that there were times when there would have been some absolute benefit for those leaders to have that confidential space to explore their own leadership and how they could be more impactful in their leadership through coaching. The other thing that I noticed in the organizational context was organizations were spending a lot of money on leadership development. And if I could be hugely critical, oftentimes not seeing a lot of significant change in behavior despite that investment in training. And one of the things that I'd learned about coaching uh, is that if you supplement training with coaching, you can increase that return on investment fourfold, which I think speaks volumes about what coaching can do. So back in those times, they were the drivers for me to be really interested in and exploring coaching further. Um, I think the other part of it, of course, is I'd had some feedback from various members of my team, not just in that role, but in previous organisations that I'd worked in as a leader, where I, I realised I was probably a more of a fairly natural coach anyway. I have one of my team members that used to say to me, Tony, every time I came to you with a, with a question, you'd never give me the answer to the question. You'd ask me, so what do you think you would do? <laughs> well, what have you already thought about? So I realised I was already asking a lot of coaching type questions anyway as part of my natural style. So for me, it was a fairly easy transition into coaching. Mm. Yeah, I really resonate actually with that point you mentioned about not giving the answers, but more of guiding, you know, the person that you are coaching and asking them reflective questions. And I think from my own experience, I, I have also been a recipient of coaching. I've went through life coaching as a coachee. So, you know, really resonate to the fact that coaching really is like a mirror and your coach isn't supposed to give you the answers, but to help you discover and find the answers on your own. So I'm sure a lot of our audience out there are interested to learn more and understand from you what coaching is all about, especially given the benefits that you've just mentioned. And on that note, we actually did run a poll on Instagram just to gauge how, you know, do people understand what coaching is about? What are people's thoughts about it? And we actually found that a majority of them actually were not familiar with coaching was about, though they were intrigued to find out more about the benefits. So this is really perfect timing. And we'd love to hear more, more from you on what the basics of coaching really is about. Can you share with our audience what the essence or foundations of coaching is? Yeah, that's a great question, Janice. And it's interesting because what I also notice in different parts of the world, that awareness of what coaching is or is not, or even what people think coaching is, is quite different. I come from Australia and in the American, Australian and, and sort of European markets, coaching is probably a little bit better known in some pockets of the world, for example, than compared to, say, in Asia or not all of Asia, of course, because it's not a homogeneous region. And also some people confuse or, or even interchange coaching with mentoring. So at the IECL, we make a very clear distinction about what is coaching by thinking about what coaching is not. And as organisational coaching specialists, we also think about it in terms of the very many hats that we wear in the organisational context. So, for example, 
as a leader in the organisation, I wear a leadership hat, I wear a managerial hat, I'm sometimes a trainer, I'm sometimes a consultant, I'm sometimes a mentor to, to various team members, and there are other times when I'm a coach. And so these roles are quite distinctive in my mind. I think what the difference is in terms of coaching versus those other roles is that whilst I take a slightly more asking approach to all of those roles, in coaching, I don't deign to begin to think that I know the answers or that I should be giving advice or, or, or solutions to my coaching counterpart. So whereas as a mentor, as a manager, as a trainer, I've come with a degree of expertise and knowledge and skill, which I have a responsibility to impart some of that to the people that I'm working with. And so that's where we would make the distinction between coaching versus other roles that we play in the organizational context. Well, thank you for clarifying that, Tony, because we also did run a poll on Instagram where we asked our audience if they knew the difference between it. And it was true. I think there were more than 50% of them who said that they were not sure about the exact distinction between you know coaching counseling mentoring so thank you for addressing that right off the bat from a more personal perspective I've never received any formal coaching experience before to be completely honest as compared to Janice who has worked with a life coach in the past as she has mentioned I've never you know had experience working with an executive coach career coach etc at the same time through different conversations with people that's how I personally discovered and learnt more about coaching. As I've mentioned, I believe that I've truly benefited from informal coaching as well as the formal coaching course that I've eventually embarked on. So we'd like to hear from you if you could share with us, from your perspective, what are the benefits of coaching and why do you actually think that it's become such a popular tool for personal and professional development? Mm, that's an interesting question. One I have to give some thought to, I suspect. <laughs> I think there's a couple of reasons. Coaching is first and foremost an in-the-moment learning opportunity. So very often, in my experience at least, in organisations, you know, I don't know about your own experience in the organisational context particularly, where we get told, okay, you're a new manager now, you've got to go and do this management program or this leadership program 101, et cetera, and, you know, you know, the training is very much mapped out for you through a curriculum. I think in this day and age, there's a higher need for leaders to have training or development opportunities that meet their immediate needs. And in fact, we know that as adult learners, it's really important that any development has to be aligned and, and timely enough to match whatever it is we want to learn and apply in the moment. And coaching does that first and foremost. And then that's not to say that coaching should replace training, but there's a combination of those things, as I've already alluded to before. The other thing is coaching is very much around working with the leader or the or the counterpart in their particular context. And one of the things that I think is at risk is we sometimes assume that your experience is exactly the same as my experience, but your experience is in your context. 
And my experience is going to be in maybe some similarities in the context, but actually quite different. Might be a different culture, you know, could be a different societal culture and norms. It could be a different organisational culture and norms, different dynamics in the people that you're relating with, different your values and beliefs and, and biases are different to my values, beliefs and biases. And so what coaching does is we are always working with the individual in their context. And so first and foremost, the counterpart is in control around their own destiny. The other thing that I think is really important in this is one of the coaching mindsets that we hold is that we firmly believe that the counterpart has the capability to work out and, and to identify their own solutions for themselves, to create their own pathway. And one of the things that I often find when I look at those leaders or managers, for example, who tend to be more directive in their style versus using a more coaching approach in their style is it often results in team members who become more dependent rather than independent and autonomous. So, you know, if as a leader, I always give instruction, this is how you want, how you should do it, this is what you should do, then I'm not creating more leaders, I'm creating followers. I'm creating this dependency to say, well, you tell me what to do because you're not giving me the autonomy to think about it otherwise. And that's where coaching, both whether it's, you know, formal coaching or informal coaching, what we call little c coaching, you know, this is the impact that it can have. Thanks for that, Tony. And one thing I'd like to just double tap on is you use the term counterpart and, you know, for our audience, they might not be familiar with it. Would you like to just elaborate a little? Yeah, thanks for picking that up, Sarah-Anne. Many people call this that relationship between coach and coachee. We call the coachee a counterpart because in any relationship, there's always some degree of power over in a relationship. And because coaching is so firmly embedded in needing to be a partnership in, a, in the relationship, the language is really important. So the word counterpart is really a way of helping us to kind of balance out that, that power in the relationship. So we think that's a much more conducive term to use and to recognise that we are in a, in a partnership the coach doesn't have power over. Now, even despite that, we know that there's power differences in the relationship. We're trying to minimise that as much as we can. I think that further clarifies the difference of what coaching looks like as compared to, you know, the other things that you described earlier, like mentorship, counselling, or even leaders giving training and development to their team members. But if we want to clarify that a bit further for our audience and help them understand if they were to go on a coaching experience or coaching journey, what does that whole journey look like? Are there some tangible, for example, are there intangible outcomes at the end where you can say, aha, I've achieved my goal and therefore like the coaching journey has been completed. What, what does that whole process and journey look like? Yeah, thanks, Janice. And if I speak about this as, as a coach, you know, working, for example, coming into an organizational context, because that's the context in which I'm always working. So if I come in as an external coach to work with a leader in an organisation, very often there's a reason for the organisation to want to have that leader receive coaching. 
Now, it could be because they're making a transition from one role into a more senior role. It could be that they're wanting to just invest in their development to help them be more expansive in their thinking or focusing on some particular leader behaviours that they want to develop and enhance and embed into, into their leadership. could be a whole variety of different reasons. So first and foremost, what you're hearing in there is there's always a goal or an outcome that you want as a result of the coaching. And coaching is a development intervention, just, just a different form of intervention compared to training or other things. So with that, we have an overarching goal that we're always working towards. And there's complexity in organisational coaching, of course, as well, because you've got lots of stakeholders at play who have, have a vested interest. So it's not just the leader that I'm working with, but it could be their manager or the CEO or HR or other, other stakeholders in the organisation. But generally speaking, what we'll do is we'll work with that leader for anything between six to 12 months, sometimes a little bit longer. And each so that might be, I don't know, an individual coaching session of, say, an hour each time, about once a month or thereabouts. And each time we meet, we might be sort of breaking down that goal into little micro moments to say, OK, so if, for example, you're transitioning from one role to another, one session might be just looking at what does success need to look like in this role? What are the things that need to be different? What are the things that you need to stop doing? And then we might pick up one in another session. There might be a conversation around, okay, so you said that you need to start to do this differently. Let's look at that. How might that play out? How do you start to think about how you're needing to be thinking more into the future, you know, thinking more strategically? How do you need to be delegating differently? How do you need to be communicating to a different audience in different ways? So lots of different topics. So each one of those could be a separate topic, which would be a separate coaching conversation as we go. So collectively, we're sort of starting to build out that leader's capability around each of those areas. And so when we get to the end of that six or 12 months or whatever that is, hopefully you will start to see some change in the way they're thinking, the way they're behaving, the way they're interacting, the way they're influencing across the organisation. Well, I have to say, Tony, I recall having the, again, privilege and honor of not just being part of your coaching program with you as my coach trainer, but also volunteering and, you know, scarily putting my hand up and volunteering to be coached by Tony on the third day of our program. Now, I'm not going to give any spoilers because you really have to be immersed fully in that workshop to get that, that feel of being coached. But it was definitely a very terrifying place to be in that sense, but it was very helpful because I had to bring a real life scenario and I know in IECL we don't talk about role play we talk about real play and think about a real life scenario that I needed to be coached on and you know that was also when you had painted this idea of like you know what is the goal that you're working towards and that relationship between the counterpart and the coach is like continually iterating on that goal so that even the counterpart is clear on the exact specific goal that they're working on for that session because each session might have different goals which builds up to potentially a bigger goal yeah 
I hope it wasn't too scary for you being in that hot seat. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I tried to think of it as, okay, it's scary, but you know what? Let, let's do it. I, I'm sure I would learn something from it. And, and I did indeed. So yeah. It's not our... meant to be scary, of course, sitting in that seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not meant to scare anyone, but I would say that it was, it was scary to volunteer and nominate myself in that sense, put my hand up. But I knew that it was a learning opportunity, which I welcomed. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. So, Tony, with so much curiosity and perhaps even misunderstanding sometimes around coaching, I'm sure there are things that we often get wrong about coaching before anyone even embarks on this coaching journey. So what are some misconceptions or, or things that people might often get wrong about coaching? Or, or in other words, can you share with us a little bit more about what coaching isn't? It's a great question, Sarah Ann. I think one of the things, first and foremost, is very often people come to coaching expecting the coach to give their advice, to share their worldly wisdom. In its true form, you know, coaching is not about giving advice. It's not about sharing my worldly wisdom. It is about facilitating the counterparts thinking around whatever is going on for them, whatever their need is, whether it's a development need or a challenge that they're facing, an issue to be solved for. So facilitating their thinking to come up with their own solutions. Very often you'll find mentoring and coaching are used interchangeably in some markets. I know in Asia when I come into coaching, very often my counterparts are expecting me to mentor them, to you know, tell them a little bit about my experience, tell them my stories. And even in in Europe, there's an organisation called EMCC, the European Mentoring and Coaching Community. I can't remember what it's called now. But, you know, the fact that they talk about mentoring and coaching in the same breath is also an indication of how these two roles are, are used interchangeably. So, you know, certainly in in my definition and certainly in IECL's definition, we see coaching as a very different thing as I've mentioned earlier. So I think that that's probably the, the biggest distinction is most people come thinking they're going to get given advice. You know, we're going to tell them, you know, teach them lots of different things. and We're going to take on sort of teacher trainer role. That's not what we do. I think the other thing is sometimes. And, and I remember having this mindset when I was a new coach is sometimes we think that coaching is the panacea for whatever it is going on in an individual's life or world, you know, and it's not. And one of the things that you will recall, Sarah Ann, even in our level one, is thinking about when to coach and when not to coach. But we might be able to bring a coaching approach to some of those other situations. But there are times when coaching is not the answer. So that's the other thing I think it's really important to be aware of is, is coaching the right solution right now? And it might not be that it's not a solution at all, but it's maybe you need to do something else first. Maybe someone needs to get some training. Maybe they're going to need to do some study or you know, pick up some particular knowledge or skill before they actually get the coaching. So I think that's the other thing that can often get in the way. 
this brings me to an interesting question that I had, Tony, and actually somebody else that I was having a conversation with brought this up to me, and rightly or wrongly, because people don't fully understand what coaching is, you know, they come into coaching conversations wanting to get the answer, and, and perhaps they have this approach of, I'm paying money to be coached because I want to get expert advice, right? So how, what do you say to people who come into coaching wanting to get that expert advice because that's what they think that they pay for. What do you have to say to that? Yeah, I've got a few thoughts going on in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and rightly or wrongly, I'm thinking about, you know, when we pay to go to a therapist, the therapist doesn't give us the answers. The therapist asks us questions to help us think about our situation. And there's elements of coaching which are somewhat similar. So as a coach, we're asking a lot of questions to help our counterparts to think about their situation in their own world. So that's the first thing, because it it is a questioning tool and it's a questioning technique. The other thing about it, though, is if I just give you the answer, A, it may not be the right answer. B, it may not work in your context. And C, I'm not helping you to think about how you can start to do your own problem solving. Because as a coach, I don't want to create a dependent relationship where you need to come to me to answer every problem that you have. What I'm trying to do is to enable you to do your own problem solving, to do your own thinking, to create the capability in yourself to do that for yourself more often regardless of the situation that you find yourself in. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, Tony, I mean, in terms of the problem or sort of the challenges you face where people come into coaching, expecting answers, I, I believe that happens quite frequently as well, right? Where some counterparts or coaches might feel frustrated that the coach isn't pointing them or telling them the direction of which they need to, you know, obtain that clarity. That's something I actually did see as well in my previous company in Hong Kong where we had peer-to-peer coaching. And at some points, some of the participants got really, really frustrated that the coach wasn't giving them the answer. They were saying that I'm spending so much time to do this training, but I'm not getting any more clarity. In fact, I'm posed with more questions that leads to more confusion. So this is something that I would imagine is quite prevalent as well. But just, you know, really curious, what are some other mindset blockers or challenges that you see counterparts experience as they are trying to embark on a coaching journey? Yeah, what I'm hearing in there, Janice, is you know, how do you set up the relationship? Mm. So coaching is a different relationship. And so there's a responsibility as the coach to help the counterpart to understand what coaching is and to give them an experience of coaching that they start to appreciate the benefits of it. And I think when there's a blocker, it's often because that hasn't been made clear around this is what coaching is, this is how we're going to work together. So oftentimes, for example, when I go in to meet with a new counterpart, we call that a meet and greet. So I go in and I'll meet with the leader to explore the potential fit for us to work together. 
And I'll often ask questions saying, what's your experience of coaching? What do you think coaching is? What do you think coaching is not? So all of the questions that you're asking me today. And I'll start to use a coaching approach even in that conversation because I want that individual to start to experience that questioning approach and getting them to think a little bit more deeply. And usually, more often than not, there's a couple of questions that I can ask where the counterpart will go, huh, I hadn't thought about that or I hadn't thought it from that perspective. Oh, and they stop, and it's in that moment you just go, now they get it. I chuckled Tony as well <laughs> because I remember being in that spot quite a few times. And I think it's very true that the counterpart, they don't need to say those words specifically, but it's to that effect that you know that coaching has taken place then, then when they had a discovery themselves. So that I recall other powerful moments in, in my coaching session. On yeah. that note, could you share with us, Tony, an example of a challenging or maybe even a tricky coaching situation that you had helped coach someone else in a counterpart and how that client overcome it. And I think this just really helps to bring to life this whole idea of a real life example. And, you know, if anyone else, our audience who are listening can resonate with that sort of example, and of course, it's just a scenario, you know, then they can feel and understand the need of coaching in play. So when you say to describe a tricky coaching scenario, what is tricky? <laughs> mm, that is a good question as well. <laughs> Lots of tricky scenarios. There's always different things playing out in any relationship. I don't know. Maybe I could ask you just to help contextualize this a, a little bit more usefully for your audience. You know, what would you imagine would be a tricky situation that one of your audience members might be kind of facing? And maybe I can talk to one of those. Yeah, I can think of quite a few because we had to do peer coaching and so we always had to come up and not to say conjure up scenarios, but I really had to sit down and, and reflect on myself and ask, what challenging scenarios do I have at work? And I mean, a simple example might be having a difficult conversation with a colleague. Let's go with that, Tony. Okay. So having a difficult conversation with a colleague. So one of the things that you know, Sarah, and other, the audience may not know, is one of the principles that are actively at play in all, all of our coaching is we take a whole systems perspective and a whole person perspective in our coaching. And so something like a difficult conversation, I'm not just looking at the counterpart's conversational skills, but I'm looking through the lens of that whole person. So what are the values, the beliefs, the biases? What's the self-talk that that individual is holding around this particular situation? So a difficult conversation is usually me and another, yeah? So what do we start to notice and help the counterpart to explore self and their role in that relationship? So what's going on internally for them? What And, and how is that either supporting or interfering with their ability to have that conversation? What are the behaviours and skills they might need to develop in order to be able to lean into that a difficult conversation more effectively? What other things are going on in the relationship? Maybe there's some history in the relationship or other things are playing out. Maybe there's a power imbalance in the relationship that's getting in the way. And what else is going on in the broader context that might be impacting on this dynamic as well? 
So if we take a whole systems approach, I'm looking at it through all of those lenses, both from the counterpart's perspective, but then, of course, we want to get them to also look at it through the other person's perspective. You know? So if they were to stand in the shoes of the other party, what would they notice and how would that inform them differently? How would that help them to understand the behaviour of the other and how they can then adapt their behaviour to be able to work with them? So if we think about sort of whole person, whole system perspective, then it informs the quality of the questions that I ask to help the counterpart to think about this in a much more rounded way. You know, sometimes I like to think about it as sort of getting up on the balcony and sort of looking down on the situation and looking at it from lots of different angles, not just from my perspective, because oftentimes when we're struggling with something like a difficult conversation, it's because I can only see it through my own lens and that's my own bias and playing out. And so my job as the coach is to help them see that more fully and therefore be able to go, oh, I can see what's going on now. These are the places that I can actually start to make a difference. I think you've shared, you know, really tangibly how coaching really does have that benefit to help us as individuals and also leaders and organizations be able to see situations and problems in a very 360 degree perspective, right? Very well-rounded and it can be often illuminating and very vulnerable as well. But essentially a lot of clarity and awareness comes from that process. However, I think one other thing that we have to discuss is also like the flip side of it, right? Some of our audience might be intrigued and be really keen to explore it, but may find it to be an expensive process, something that they might not be able to access at the moment. So the reality is maybe not everybody will eventually end up engaging a coach or being able to take a professional coaching certification, for example. But what you know, me and Sarah and really do believe is that we can all certainly learn a thing or two. And we have learned quite a lot from you today about coaching tools or approach that professional coaches like yourself could use to apply. What is one tool or a coaching framework that you can share with our audience that they can use in their day-to-day -day life and just ask these questions to themselves to get that aha moment that you spoke about? Yeah. A big part of coaching is the art of asking questions. But of course, the questions that we ask are informed by what we hear. So the two, in my mind, the two critical skills is listening and questioning. And add to that the ability to not be asking leading questions because when we ask leading questions, we think we have the solution. So to maintain that mindset of curiosity and just to not necessarily be seeking out a, a particular solution when we're working with someone. So I think, you know, when we teach coaching skills in organisations for leaders, you know, a really fundamental concept to hold in mind is just ask more questions and do less telling. And if you can listen more and be curious in your asking, start to see what happens and start to see what impact that has on your relationships, start to see what impact that has on your teams and how effectively they start to think for themselves. And I think just even just exploring and experimenting with that, that one little thing alone, ask more, tell less, I think you'll start to see a massive difference in the world. Four simple but very, very impactful words, Tony. Ask more and tell less. I love it. And on that note, as we are about to wrap up, 
on behalf of individuals who might be considering to hire a coach in whatever aspects of their life, what advice would you give with regards to how they can find the right type of coach that will correspond with their needs? Firstly, I would say seek out a coach who has had solid training and ideally an accreditation. So, for example, I'm an ICF, International Coach Federation, credentialed coach. And so organisations like the International Coach Federation have some very clear standards which coaches need to demonstrate that say, hey, I know my craft, I'm skilled at my craft, you know, and I'm not self-taught, et cetera, et cetera. So I think having a credentialed coach of some sort is certainly one thing I would absolutely look for. It's one of the challenges of coaching is the industry is not a profession. There are no barriers to entry in coaching. Anyone can hang out their shingle and say, I'm a coach, regardless of whether they've received training or not. And that's a real problem for this industry. So there can be some people out there doing stuff that they're calling it coaching, but they're not coaching. They could be mentoring or doing other things. And so I would say, first and foremost, look for that qualification. Have a look at where they've been trained. What sort of schools have they been trained in? You know, Janice, you talked about having life coaching, which is fantastic. What's your context and therefore what type of coaching do you want? There are people who specialize in things like ADHD coaching. There are people who specialize in health coaching. You know, we're specialists in organizational coaching. So what's relevant for your needs as well? And I think just, you know, get some referrals, get, you know, or have a meet and greet and get get a, a, a flavour of that, that individual's coaching style. You know, ask them some challenging questions, just as you've been asking me some fantastically challenging questions today about their coaching. You know, what's their philosophy for coaching? What's the evidence base that they use to draw on their coaching practice, et cetera? So I think all of those things are really useful. This is really good. You know, essentially do your due diligence and be specific about the type of coaching that you need because it all comes under different categories, right? And you've already explained the nuances clearly to us earlier. And the very final question we got, which was from one of our Instagram followers, shout out to Kimi Suyin. Thank you so much for asking this question. Kimi would like to know, how do I prepare to be coached if I were to embark on a coaching journey? Do I need to come with ready goals and outcomes? a lovely question Kimmy there are different types of goals that we hold so some of us have very high aspirational goals very aligned to our purpose in life for example and they can be you know quite loose and ill-formed some of us can have very specific goals where I really want to learn to delegate more effectively or I really want to learn to just be a better leader now that could be a bit vague even And that's okay. A good coach will know how to help you define and refine your goals in your context. It could be, you know, getting some feedback from if it's in in an organizational context, we might get some feedback from some of the other people around you to get a better understanding of how you're showing up in your leadership and therefore where are some areas that you might want to, you know, sharpen the saw a little bit. And that could inform the coaching goals as well. So I don't think there needs to be an absolute clear, you know, clearly identified goal, but because a good coach will help you do that. Well said, Kimi, and we hope that this is an answer that, you know, gives you more courage and confidence to just go for it. 
one final thing that we do love to ask all of our guests on Explore This Podcast, Tony, which is what is the one thing you would like to explore more of? Could be professional, could be life, anything at all. <laughs> the one thing I want to explore more of is I know that one day I will be returning to my home country of Australia and I have this absolute desire to continue to explore my camping, my bushwalking, <laughs> my swimming in freshwater creeks. <laughs> That sounds so heavenly. I know, really lush. Love it. I can already picture, you know, the beautiful bush walking and Australia's just beautiful. So really excited for you for that. Yeah, got nothing to do with work, just want to be outdoors. <laughs> we all need some of that. Love it. And finally, where can our listeners find you if they want to know more about your work or speak to you about, you know, coaching? Yeah, thank you. So our website is iecl.com, simple. So remember, it's the Institute of Executive Coaching and Leadership. They can reach out to me at tony.butler at iecl.com. More than happy to receive any inquiries. And don't forget to tell Tony if you're reaching out to her after listening to our episode. And so on that note, Tony, thank you so much for this very illuminating episode where you shared with our listeners about the foundations coaching, something that I believe will be very helpful and beneficial for our audience. And coaching is, like you mentioned, not about giving answers. It is very much about facilitating the counterpart's thinking. And that's something that I can personally attest to as well. So on that note, Tony, any final words to our audience? I hope you all get to have the opportunity to be coached one day by an amazing coach. I think it will change your life if you haven't already had that opportunity. But Dennis and Sarah Ann, thank you so much for inviting me to be speaking with you today. It's an absolute joy and I really look forward to keeping in touch. That's incredible, Tony. Thank you once again for sharing your experience, your insight, and all the wisdom from your many, many years of experience as a coach, as well as the director of coaching with IECL. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. If you stuck around to the end of this episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us. And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We would love to hear from you. So you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A-C-T-S-P-L-O-R-E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every alternate Mondays at 8pm. See you then!